you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we follow Olin's tip and go to Maker's End, where we finally get answers about what happened to the old ones, as well as find new questions that need to be answered. Welcome to episode 12 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jarrett, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. Yes, I'd like to uh, welcome any new listeners and also welcome back any return listeners. Uh, thanks a lot for checking out Lightkeeper Protocol. Uh, we're, we're glad to have you here. Hope you're enjoying the show and the game. And uh, I'd like to just remind everybody that we do have uh, Discord channels for this show and, and Horizons Zero Dawn and Forbidden West in our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say about the game, about the show, so uh, you can just hop in there and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, before we get started, though, let's do a quick recap of the previous episode. So last episode, we found out that the ambush on Aaron's sister, Ursa, was staged and she still might be alive. It wasn't the Shadow Karja, it was the Asaram the whole time. So we actually have a new main quest to go talk to Avad and Aaron back at the palace. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that this episode. We're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, but we also talked a bit about Meridian, its merchants, and the liberation. So that was the last episode. This episode, we're actually going to diverge a bit from the, the quest line that we were on, or diverge a lot, I should say. And talk about Maker's End, which is the, that's the location that Aaron, not Aaron, sorry, Olin tells you about when, uh, after you find him at Rock Rock Wreath. Sorry, I can't speak today. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Maker's End is in the northwestern part of the map. If you go west, it is the, it was the north, yeah, it's the northmost part, it's the most northern part of the map. Can't go any further than Maker's End. And this area is kind of like, I don't know, it's a little like, it's like foresty, but also snowy at the same time. It's not that big of an area. It's really only for, I mean, there's a couple things up there, and I think we'll get into that later. But there's only a, there's really nothing else to do up there except this this quest. It is a ruin Maker's End. Uh, so if you have the quest selected and you're traveling, uh, Aloy, she's going to start talking to herself that she do this in, in your gameplay too. Cause she should start, she starts talking to herself and she's like, well, if this woman's my mother, why are there traces of her all the way up here? Who is she? Because I mean, it's a good point. Like if, if her mother was a Nora, like she is, why, why is she in Karja territory? Um, that question is answered by the same person who disrupted the focuses back when you, uh, back in rock wreath. And he says her name is Elizabeth Sobek. Elizabeth, not Elizabeth, Elizabeth. I thought it was Elizabeth for such a long time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they couldn't not. just add that extra H and make it easier on us. 
So, yeah, her name was Elizabeth Sobeck. And, you know, Aloy is like, asked, well, what does he actually know about Elizabeth? And he says, if she stays on her current course, she'll know as much as he does, maybe more. So he warns Aloy that Maker's End is crawling with ellipse tru- uh, eclipse truth. I said ellipse. Wow. That's a, that's a less threatening <laughs> name for a uh, terrorist organization. Uh, so he warns Ma- um, Aloy that the eclipse truth troops are at Maker's End, and quite a few of them. And he left some supplies nearby to help out with them. So, you know, once you get outside Maker's End, it's like right there, right in front of the entrance almost. And what I think it's like some shards, an epic mod. There's a rope caster in there if you didn't already have one. I didn't, so that's nice. Um, I I guess he had. I, I feel like the stuff that he gave us maybe wasn't that helpful for this situation, but I guess it's appreciated. Free stuff is free stuff. Maybe I don't know, man. It might have been. Um, there are like there's like a corruptor inside. We're gonna talk about it in like two minutes anyway. So spoiler alert, but yeah, I mean there's, there's a corruptor inside. So maybe tying the corruptor down would have been helpful. But I mean we're so used to fighting corruptors now. We're basically professionals at fighting corruptors. I also cheesed it. I I super cheesed it. But we can talk about that in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. So, uh, but Aloy, she wants to know why the stranger's doing it. And he's like, oh, I want you to succeed, and we'll talk later. So. We don't know much about this guy. We just know he's he's helping us out and, you know, in games that can go either way. Usually suspicious people who just kind of hop onto your comms, hack, hack your comms, aren't uh, aren't really your friends, you know. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned on Enter Maker's End, you'll see that there are a lot of Eclipse, like he said. They'll, you'll, you'll, if you just listen to them talk, they'll talk about different things. And one of them remarks that the treasures were all taken a long time ago, but the ancients are still there. So... People like Olin, a long time ago, probably came through and stripped the place of anything valuable, at least what they, they thought was valuable. But for the Eclipse, this valuable stuff is still there, so they're excavating the area and getting you know, the machines like Olin said they were. And so I, I actually can't say much about fighting in the first area because I accidentally pulled every enemy, every single enemy at the, at, the, at the same time. Nice. And then because of that, once I realized I alerted everybody and everybody was heading my way, I was able to put a, a tripwire down and killed almost all of them with a single tripwire. The only ones I didn't kill were like, it was like a, a watcher. Nice. But they were all, like, all bunched up running up to me and just one tripwire just killed them all. So I have no strats to, I, <laughs> to talk about for that first area. There's... There's not really. So for the first camp, I ran in. There was a corrupted watcher. Like, I don't care as much as I did before where I'm like, oh, can't let them see me. Like, he saw me. I moved over a little bit and just kind of shot him in the eye and he died. And then I just started kind of picking people off. And then I don't know what happened. Someone saw me. But like, it's like I said, a thousand times humans are so easy. So that first camp it was nothing. Yeah, the second area is a bit different. Um, one, because you, you have multiple approaches, right? The first area, you just have to walk straight into it and then maybe, you know, find your way around. This You can either go straight in or you can go to the left and go through a building. And that, I mean, it still puts you like on the outskirts of it, but you can kind of, you have more options. But there are definitely more machines here. Like, there are more watchers. There are a couple humans. Uh, but... There, it's easy enough to stealth because of those grass patches. So you just kind of call the watchers over and you kill them. Uh, but um, there is a corruptor there. 
for sure. And I don't, I don't know if mom was bugged out because it was just flailing around doing nothing in the background. Oh, that was, it was, just, it was like yeah. <laughs> it was just it was just flailing around, and it was it was it was weird. So, um, yeah. No, so what I did here is I went around the left side because the, there's a watcher that just like hangs out there. So I like did a stealth strike to that, sniped the people that I could, walked to the other watcher, did a stealth for that. Like I just stealth the watchers. And then that little bridge, you know, where you have to go under the bridge to get to that second watcher if you come from the yeah. left, the corruptor won't go past that, which I realized. So I just sat on the other side shooting fire arrows at it so it would overheat. Oh, that's smart. So me, once I killed everybody, I just kind of like ran up to it and threw like a fireball, like using the sling, threw fire at it because I knew that's what I wanted and I alerted it. And so I actually played myself in the beginning because when I went to go run, I wasn't looking in the direction that I was actually running in. I was looking at the uh, corruptor and I ran straight into a pit and there was no way to go. And that corruptor. He just straight up, like off the top ropes, just jumped into the pit with me, oh, no. and like landed like right on top of me. And then when he landed on top of me, he did like a, a, a tail thing too, so I got hit twice and almost died, but I made it out. <laughs> like it was just funny. I was like, I, I'm realizing I ran into the pit that I specifically told myself not to run into. I'm like, okay. And then I hear the noise of it jumping on my ear. We go. <laughs> I did something almost similar, not like just running into it, but there was a guy in the pit that I couldn't get. So I was like, I'll just, I'll just snipe him last. And I totally forgot. So when I thought it was just the corruptor and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. This dude just comes from like left field. Like, Hey, and I'm like, Oh no, oops, <laughs> forgot <laughs> someone. Yeah. So, I mean, the corruptors are easy enough at, at this point. You know, we, we have a pretty good idea of how to, how to beat them, especially, I mean, after you fight the two at the same time, if you can't beat this one in a more open area on top of that, it's well, not I much of a challenge. Technically fight two at the same time because the one somehow blew itself up. So I still. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. So one thing before you actually, oh, I guess if you don't kill everybody too fast, <laughs> this will happen, but you can hear some of the eclipse talking about a destroyer they found next to the tower. And we don't know what a destroyer is yet, but whatever it is, it is stuck in place. That's all we know about it. But they said, yeah, next to, to the next tower, like ne next to the tower, there's a destroyer. So, um, but yeah, like, I think if you kill, if you, if you just like snipe everybody from a distance, I don't think you'll ever hear that conversation. I didn't, but it just, okay. Yeah. It just kind of, <laughs> you just kind of hear it, you, you know, as you're getting closer to people but like it's all it does is just let you know that hey something's kind of coming up it's just hinting at it but once you clear out those enemies you do head into a broken down building and as you're walking through it you'll hear explosions and you know once Aloy makes it through the clearing she'll see what's making the noise and it's the destroyer that they were talking about or what Olin was actually mentioned before the deathbringer he said you know the the small ones were called corruptors and there's even larger machines with more weapons called Deathbringers. And I was, I, I was a little, I don't want to say upset, but I think this, this area could have been handled a bit better. Because if you use your focus while you're in that broken down building, you'll clearly see what's coming. Like, mm. if you use your focus, you can see straight through the wall and you'll see this thing. It marks it as Deathbringer. It marks the weapons, all that stuff. You I know? didn't do that. So it kind of... Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of spoils the surprise because like, that's the thing. As soon as I heard the explosion, like my instinct tells me to turn the focus on. 
And I, was I like, oh, forget yeah. it exists like 90% of the time. I should use it more. <laughs> like if I'm fighting and I need to look for like a weak spot or like the pieces I want to shoot off or something, I'll use it. But like I just I, I don't use it as much as I should. Right. Yeah. Like your focus, it'll pick up the Deathbringer and then you'll, it'll also focus on the noise that it makes because it does make a very specific noise. So, yeah, but those explosions that you heard, it was the Eclipse testing the weapons of the Deathbringer. And just like Owen said, it's huge and it has way more weapons on it, but it keeps overheating. That's and like if you like if you well, you'll hear it if you're next to it, you'll just hear the noise. But that's what was confusing me in the focus when you would hear the noise through the focus. Like it just sounded weird, but it's a, it's a noise of it overheating. And I think it's overheating because maybe could, because it can't move, like it's trying to move and it can't. So it'll like make a noise. You'll hear like, uh, like, you know, like exhaust and then it'll make like this error noise almost to a degree that it can't really move. And you see the coils that when it overheats, you see the coils that you know you're going to have to hit. Like if you're used to fighting the corruptors, it's it's a similar property, right? Or you, the focus will tell you like, oh, this is a weakness, you know? Also, when you're fighting it and Aloy finally hits one, she's like, oh, it looks like that's a weakness. So you get multiple <laughs> uh, ways of uh, confirming that those coils are a weakness. So, But I mean, this area is not too difficult either. I mean, there are humans to kill, um, easy to pick off. There's like four or five of them. Three of them are around the Deathbringer, though. Um, did you... Go ahead. So, okay, yeah. I I messed up. I feel like any critical fight... I'm, like, when I'm fighting just humans and, like, small robots, I'm like, all right, whatever, I got this. And then when I, like, create a big plan on how I'm gonna do something, I, like, fall down a hill or something. So I stealth the first watcher that's there, snipe the human up on the bridge, and I'm walking around the back, and I just, like, walked into sight of something and alerted everything. Yeah, so I think if you walk too far around that side, the backside, you enter the line of sight of the Deathbringer. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Because I think the Deathbringer is, has omnidirectional sight. Like, so... So yeah. the the reason I did that, though, because there was a watcher that was over there and I was like, I can get over there stealthily because there's a car. They put a car there. So I was like, oh, this is here. So that way it, it breaks line of sight. I'll just go behind the car and then go straight into the grass. And yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. So I know there's three of them around the Deathbringer. And if you can get them to move, you can stealth them. But for me, I just started shooting at them. Like I just I just picked one by the time the next one was. um was alerted i had already picked him and then the third one was running toward me but the i, I didn't realize this the first time i played but the Deathbringer will shoot right through them and that's what happened to the third guy he was running at me and he was in the line of sight of the fire of the Deathbringer, and the Deathbringer shot right through it oh uh, i think the funniest thing that happened to me though is i fight everything i kill the Deathbringer, i'm getting all the loot and everything and then out of nowhere i hear what's that and i look behind me and there's just a human with like yellow above his head. And I'm like, did this dude not hear <laughs> any of the stuff that just happened? Just like a random human just didn't hear all these explosions and, and Deathbringers fighting. There's just one left. Yeah, I know there was a one guy that if you're talking about like being in front of the Deathbringer, being in front of the three people, he's actually behind them up high. So maybe there was Yeah, that that's guy. probably what it was like to the left. Because I got the guy to the right if you're facing yeah. the Deathbringer. Okay. Yeah, so that's probably what it was. So, I mean, this Deathbringer is only at about half health. Um, 
the like I said the the weak the coils keep showing up because it keeps overheating. Like it overheats on its own. Like you can assist it with fire, but if you just if it just shoots, it will eventually overheat. So if you could just die, if you can't get fire on it for whatever reason, it'll overheat itself. So. And um, this Deathbringer is easy enough to kill, but we will fight other Deathbringers that are not crippled. I can definitely tell you that you will fight Deathbringers that are walking around, that can move, <laughs> that have access to their, their weapons. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like, are they better or worse than like things I've already fought? Is- I think the worst thing you could fight in the game is the Rockbreaker, which we haven't talked about on this show yet. I know you fought one though. That's the worst thing you could fight on, on on this game. Like fighting the Deathbringer is like, I mean, yeah, like they're, I don't, they're 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 big machines. They have big weapons. They have large health pools, so they're n- nothing to to sneeze at, right? But I don't recall them being like, oh my god, it's a Deathbringer. Like it's not like a rock breaker. Like oh f- god, my god, it's a rock breaker. Like <laughs> you know that's <laughs> like that. So I I am looking forward to talking about the rock breakers though, which I think we're actually going to end up talking about the rock breakers probably next episode. So what'd you say about breaker. promises? Yeah, that's true. I should be making promises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after everyone is dead. Um, after everyone, everything is dead, I should say. Aloy, she takes one of the Eclipse soldiers' focus and she connects to it. Let's see what you have to say. What? What is this? The entity lives. Unacceptable. 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 So she connects to it, and for the first time ever, we hear the voice of the Eclipse Devil. You hear Hades talking, and he's pretty surprised that Aloy's alive. He's like, the, the, I think he's just like, the subject is alive, and it's unacceptable. He repeats that three times, and then he destroys the focus. He actually makes the focus explode, which I'm like, okay, like, okay, he can kill anybody he wants. I mean, when Hades was, if Hades' plan went 100% to, uh, like, worked. He, anybody who was wearing one of his focuses could have just died instantly because it wasn't like a small explosion. It was a big explosion. It would have blown somebody's head off. Yeah, I guess that's true. I was like, oh, it's not that bad. But yeah, it's on someone's On ears, your head? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 So, but yeah, you do, you, you do hear it, uh, Hades, for the first time, which, I don't know. The voice didn't scrape my bones and hollow out my gut. Like, it didn't. No. You know? It's very. <laughs> Maybe because we're you. Yeah, maybe because we're used to it. It's very robotic feeling. I mean, it, it, it just the way that it was speaking. They said unacceptable. It, I'm stuttering, but it reminds me of Near almost, like the machines in Near. So that's why I think automatically, yeah. like, oh, it's a, a robot or a machine or something. Right. Oh, well, actually, you know, also like we've had to experience the original Microsoft Sam, so they've never had that before. So of course, <laughs> the original Microsoft Sam hollows out the guts. You know, it scrapes the bones. <laughs> it does. You know, so yeah, that one is uh that one's a, is a bit different. But um, yeah. So you know, the the focus explodes. Haley Hades now knows she's still alive because I'm assuming Haley's Hades thought that she was dead after the proving. Um, he was probably like, oh yeah, like she fell off of a mountain. She's gone. 
because that's what happens to normal people when they fall off mountains. They die, but not Aloy. Um, so yeah, Hades probably thought she was dead, but now he knows that she is alive. And I'm pretty sure that's going to come back up later. <laughs> um, but uh, Aloy, she finds a way into the tower, but there's a closed door like at the womb of the mountain. Like it was the same kind of door. Halt for identity scan. Genetic profile confirmed. Entry authorized. Greetings, Dr. Sobek. Please step inside. You know, this time, however, when the door scans her, it lets her inside because she even turned around. She's like, oh, another one of these is not going to let me in. And then. It says, oh, it's a welcome, Dr. Sobek, and then lets her inside. I mean, we still don't have too much information, but at the very least, we do know that Aloy, well, I mean, we knew before that Aloy had, uh, you know, genetic markers in common, 99.47% of it uh, with that woman who we know as Elizabeth Sobek now. Uh, But yeah, that machine definitely called her Dr. Sobek, or the door called her Dr. Sobek, so. When she enters the facility, that voice comes over the loudspeaker and it says that she is 355,510 days overdue for her meeting with Mr. Farrow and then proceeds to tell her to go to the 35th floor. So a little quick math. That's about 974 years. Yeah. So as soon as that happened, Ailey was like, wow, that's hundreds of years ago. But like, do they have a standard calendar in this world like does she know how to do math i just feel like she just said that so fast i'm like i i guess uh maybe they probably do i would say i mean because the seasons are the same on earth the the sun is the same the stars are the same so it wouldn't be too much to draw the conclusion that they perceived or, or measure time the same way we did yeah i guess i just when she said that like i was i was a little shocked i don't know Maybe it's not that shocking. I was just like, oh, fast, fast maths. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, once we, I think a lot of like that question might be answered when we hit Gaia Prime later on. So like that, that I think um, that I, I think I know the answer to that question, but I can't say anything because, <laughs> uh, you know, we're not, we're not there in the game yet, but that answer, I think there'll be a, it'll be a bit more clear a little later as how, you know, I guess the early civilizations after whatever happened uh, got some, maybe at least some of their information. So, because clearly everybody speaks English, right? Right. <laughs> so they don't write English though. They definitely use uh, like some type of like hieroglyphic, you know. I don't even know if that's really called hieroglyphics. Like if I, I, anything, any type of painting. Walk is that a hieroglyphic? Like you know, that's me being I uneducated. Know. I don't they, think it's well, a they hieroglyphic. Say they say glyphs. They say glyphs. Yeah, because I think when we were in Olin's house, Aaron was like, "When did you learn how to read glyphs or something like that?" Because she had his journal. Right. Yeah. So, um, but this is—I mean, Maker's End is an absolutely massive ruin. It's the biggest one we've seen in the game. I mean, just from outside, we can see that the building is huge. You know, and we got to go to the, almost the top. I think actually the top of it, pretty much. We got to go to the top of the building. So we know there's going to be a lot of climbing here. But 
besides the platforming that we know we're going to have to end up doing, there's a ton of information in this building. All right. Uh, between audio recordings and data points, you know, there's just a lot of information to the point that I'm pretty sure this episode is going to be a little long. <laughs> um, I checked every nook and cranny of this place going through it because, you know, you just keep finding stuff and more stuff and more stuff. Uh, but the first, uh, I think, audio recording we run into is close to the bottom floor. The protocols use polyphasic entangled waveforms, quantum encryption, black court stuff, way beyond military grade. That's what you demanded. So that's what we delivered. You don't code something you can't crack. All we need is a backdoor. Upload the latest service pack update and the problem goes away. You specifically forbade us from leaving anything resembling a backdoor in code. Every protocol to Black Quartz standard. Your words. Look, if you need me to fudge some projections, it's nothing we haven't done before. I don't need fudged projections. I need a way to reassert control over the Hearts Timor Swarm. I don't know what to tell you, Ted. You're asking the impossible. So, codes. They needed codes of some kind to control the machines. But they got out of control. Sounds bad. So someone named Ted Farrow, who the building is named after, because this this building, there's a vantage point outside, and I said we're going to talk about that probably next episode. Um, um, it, the building is named Farrow Automated Solutions. So this is the person the building is named after. He's talking to a programmer. He's asking for a backdoor to get control of the Hearts Timber Swarm. And right now we have no idea what that is. We just know that it is out of control. They don't have control of it. But well, it doesn't take too long to get that information. And so the programmer is telling him that there is no way to do that because of the, speci- the specification that he asked for specifically, that there are no backdoors, that people can't hack these devices, right? Uh, and when the file's over, Alo she deduces that they needed some type of codes to control the machines, but they got out of control. I'm like, yeah, about covers it. <laughs> you know, it's more complex than that. Like the way it sounds like they had, uh, there's a problem with a machine or a group of machines that they have. Uh, there's a problem with the firmware and they can't g- gain access to it. They can't fix it. So, uh, and as Alo she's making her way through the building, she does find a statue of a Deathbringer. And she's like, oh, this machine was built to kill and they honor it. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a pride and joy. <laughs> you know, the Deathbringer, uh, you know, which is it's called something else. And we're going to get into that a little later. So, you know, as she walks into that area, well, it's, it, you know, there's like a, a voice comes over the loudspeaker and it's like, oh, welcome to Pharaoh Automated Solutions, where all your problems of tomorrow are being solved today. And by the time we finish this episode, we're like, really, are they solved? today the problems of tomorrow <laughs> um, i mean it sounds but, like they're solved in some way right because they're all I, I, dead anyway <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so you can't have problems if you're dead that's a great point christina they, exactly <laughs> uh so the this company fair automated solutions they focus on self-sustaining fully automated technology the company had about twenty five thousand employees and they was like wow that's bigger than a tribe so she also finds that Farrell makes the focus and they also make peacekeeping robots like the Deathbringer. That, that's a peacekeeping robot. I'm know. doing quotation marks right now. Yeah, man. Keep peace. Like, <laughs> don't start nothing won't be nothing. That's what it is. 
Right. <laughs> uh, so, and that's in the like the opening area. So, kind of like the reception area where you expect people to walk into the building for the first time. It's it's one of those things. It's like going to Blizzard and seeing the orc in the front. Like that's what it that's what it reminds me of. So, something I think we can all relate to. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because I mean, I don't know. Like, I've never been into like a I don't know a Lockheed Martin. A building or i don't know who actually makes tanks to be honest with you but i don't know if they'd have a statue of like uh, you know an abrams tank in their front like in the front of their building like i well it's not where they produce it but there's definitely places around me where it's like a weapons stash and there's tanks out front like in real life there's like tanks that are out front. I don't think they're like current tanks, but I right. would assume that, you know, if they make if, tanks, that, they probably have tanks. Or is that like a museum? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that way around where is. you are. I think it's like because an Air Force. Like, I don't know. Well, that's also different. That's a, that's a military like installation. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or yeah. something like that. So <laughs> close to where I live, there is an, a, a um, military aviation museum so they have like older warplanes out there and stuff like that but you know and on a military base like i wouldn't be surprised if i saw a tank even though every military base i've been on i haven't seen an actual like weapon like that just sitting out for people to see like yeah you've been not starting nothing over here i think it's like the national guard armory so if they need to deploy tanks they might get it from there and there's like not real tanks or they're real but they're old so they're out of commission like just sitting up right yeah, I mean that's. I think that's a different story. But I'm talking about the. Yeah. Co- co- that's 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 a military. I'm talking about a company that makes those. Like, look at our death machine. The <laughs> peacekeeper. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's how they view it. It's a, it's a peacekeeping uh, machine. So that's the reception area, and you find a reception log, and this has its own story, like of itself. Like it comes in t- at least two parts, because you find the other log later. But I'll just go over it now. So on one particular day, they were doing a sales presentation, but they accidentally invited two rival companies, and there was an incident. So some, it sounds like somebody got like coffee thrown on them or something like that. And this kind of lays the groundwork for what it was like back then, or technically speaking, in our future from now. Because you do get some dates. Like Ted Farrow, we'll find out in a minute, but he was born in like 2013 or something like that. And I think uh, Elizabeth Sobeck, she was born like in like, 2018 or something like that she wasn't born that far after or maybe 2020 i can't remember it was 2020, she was born in 2020. Yeah. yeah so in it, right in the middle of the, of, of the rona she was born <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh right in the beginning well no that was the beginning of the united states but i think yeah because it's COVID 19 for 2019 so that's actually started in 2019 but it wasn't i don't think it was a pandemic until 2020 but either way um yeah you find this log they invited two companies that were competitive against each other. They were super competitive, right? You find out that um, some corporations would try to take another corporation's land by force. And in this case, it was like Fresh Grounds Coffee Global was trying to take Indomelee Combine's fields on multiple occasions by force. So they, I guess they'd send troops or machines or something and try to get them off their own land. So it was pretty serious for coffee at that point. It, you know, I mean... I'm serious for coffee, so I kind of, I, I understand. Oh, okay. Well, as long as you understand, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but later on, you do find another data point that shows it was done on purpose. The senior vice president of sales purposefully 
made sure that they would be in the same place at the same time so they would have a conflict because he wants them to be upset with each other and he wants them to buy combat machines from Pharaoh. And his plan was was successful because they both increased their bids by 40% to get the contract with Pharaoh for the, for their machines. Cause at this point, I think Pharaoh automated solutions is like the number one military contract or creator, creator of like automated military machines or something like that. So, and he was a real, like he was a real prick to the, uh, the receptionist yeah this poor receptionist all she wrote was like a hey we got to make sure this doesn't happen again um and then he just flips out i don't know if it actually says she i just assume that's my bad um he just flips out at them just saying like this is my job i know better than you uh this uh, this is more complicated just smile and do what you're supposed to do right so and she's probably one of the people that she had to deal with it directly you yeah. know when one person threw coffee on the other. So let's just laying the groundwork for the type of, of place that wasn't the type of place the future was, uh, or the past in this case. So, but, um, anyway, she asks, well, what kind of place is this? And the voice answers back, you know, says, Oh, this is called a corporation. It was like a tribe, a tribe that made machines. I'm like, uh, I guess so. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> Yeah. And then he uploads data points to the focus and he uploads a data point on Elizabeth Sobek. So I'm not going to read it, but I'm just going to hit some points. Like she was really smart. She was enrolled in Stanford by the age of 13. She had a BS in experimental physics and computer science by age 16. And she had a PhD in robotics and artificial intelligence by the time she was 20. And that's when she joined Farrell Automated Solutions. She was chief scientist by 22. She focused on robots to help clean up the environment, which made that company a leader in that field. And um, actually, I, I do believe that if you if you read another data point, it says her robots uh, helped the company triple their profits. And then after they tripled their profits, eight years later, she actually resigned from Pharaoh when the company started pivoting to making military technology. So they. That's like at first they didn't, but then they started making the military technology. She wasn't on board with that. And so she left. And then a year later, she created her own company that focused on life positive robotics. And it was the world's largest supplier of green robots. And yeah, that's where her hers ends. I'm pretty sure she didn't have any friends. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm just pretty, I'm just going to throw that out there. Like, you know, Stanford by age 13, computer science degree by age 16, PhD by 20, chief scientist by 22 at the world. Like, you know, I I guess at the time they weren't the world's largest robotics company, but that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for friends. Well, she has like her whole life in her life's work. You, You do. You are surrounded by colleagues. So I guess they are friends to a certain extent. Right. You still need peer review and all of that. That's a- the chief scientist doesn't have colleagues. <laughs> she she has employees. Just That's saying. True. That's true. <laughs> and to go from just joining Pharaoh to becoming the chief scientist by age 22, you know how many people she probably pissed off doing that? That's also very true, yeah. Yeah. The latter success is made with bodies, man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So... But uh, yeah, so that was Elizabeth's bio. You also get a data point for Ted. He founded Pharaoh, which was the largest corporation of all time. I guess by every time everything was said and done, he was the world's wealthiest person, first ever trillionaire. 
He studied business at University of California for two years before he dropped out and started FAS. That's what it's called in 2020. In, uh, sorry, not 2023, um, 2033. And uh, they created personal servitor robots and bodyguard robots before Elizabeth joined the company. So I guess that's how they got their start. And then once, like I said, once Elizabeth made her grain robots, it tripled their profit. And eventually they started creating automated military platforms. And uh, yeah, he became the world's best known businessman. So he's like Jeff Bezos. If Jeff, Jeff Bezos was even richer. So I thought you were going to say if Jeff Bezos was evil and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> He's creating just, robot stuff already, so we should actually just, just keep an eye on that. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned it, we do have to be yeah. careful. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he, may, he may get so bored, he destroys the world. So, it's like, well, I've been to space, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you do find, um, shortly after that, I think you find another recording of Ted. And this time, he's like making a company-wide announcement. And it was a little weird because he's saying they were going to stop making automated systems and start making human-controlled weapons. And he said, oh, yeah, we're going to exploit a new growth opportunity. He doesn't really give a good reason why. He just says, trust me. And I'm like, well, that's not sketchy at all. Ted, you can't trust people named Ted. <laughs> I was curious about this, though, because... In this day and age with all these robots, they probably have like all these self-driving cars and stuff. So when I think of vehicles, I don't think of just like battle robots. I think of like cars and stuff, too. Like they're trying to go back where people would be mad. Imagine having self-driving cars and then out of nowhere, they're like, we have this new line of cars that you drive yourself. Well, that would be terrible because people can't drive now and they drive every day. Imagine yeah, not exactly. driving anymore. <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, not driving anymore. And boom, you know, now you got uh, Now you have now, even if you're not driving, having people driving on the road, that's dangerous. You don't want that. Exactly. So um, you, you, I think even close to that, you'll find another data point of Ted wanting to do some type of spiritual retreat. He says the reach and the events have made him realize that Pharaoh has been neglecting the spiritual side of things. And it seems kind of random. I mean, a lot of this stuff is made to invoke question, right? This is our first, not our first delve into a ruin, but our first ruin that's just giving us a ton of information on the old world, you know? And so it's doing its job. But I think later on in the game, when you see how everything plays out, it makes a bit more sense. that Like why you want to do it like a spiritual retreat. So, um, so to me, because um, I don't know, I haven't gone past this quest, so I don't have the answers for this. But to me, it seems like everything's going to crap. And they're assuming because we know the world's destroyed. Something had to happen. And they right. know the world's about to be destroyed. So to me, this reads as a, well, everybody's going to die. So let's try to do this spiritual retreat, see whatever religion these people vibe with to have at least some comfort as they're probably being ripped to shreds so see i think i think this is still kind of early in the timeline um because yeah i mean you do get a, a pretty good timeline of how quickly things are going to diminish but uh, according to the because the next thing i was going to bring up is this campus log according to this campus log that you can find people kind of catch on to what's happening i think kind of early uh so you find a campus log 
And they were saying, oh, there were violent protests around the facility. They actually decided to shut down the facility indefinitely. Uh, the facility entered a full lockdown on non-essential systems. A full lockdown and all non-essential systems were put into hibernation. So this all started with like a terrorist attack on a rapid transit system. And they offered employees security to travel with them while they're off-site. But things, I guess, escalated from there. And they're like, it's just too dangerous to have this building open because, you know, people were just coming around and the protests were getting kind of violent. So whatever is happening, uh, like I said, I think the, the the public finds out pretty quickly. So I think that's like, you know, the spiritual retreat thing was probably something that happened early on because eventually they, they shut that building down, right? So there would be no point to even have that message in the building, you know, so... And the rapid transit terrorist attack, I'm assuming that has something to do directly with getting Pharaoh employees to the Pharaoh building. Because, I mean, I don't think we really see it a lot around here, but I'm pretty sure out west, um, and Chip from Wonder's Tales will probably know more about this than me, but um, you can probably speak to this. I'm pretty sure like big companies like Microsoft, Google, Apple, they have transit systems for their employees from wherever they live to get them to their campuses. So it might be something kind of like that. I know I'm pretty sure Google did because there was a, oh man, this has to be, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe a little less. It was definitely more than five years ago, but in San Francisco, I think somebody was vandalizing the buses that Google's using to transport their employees or something like that because they were getting upset about, um, I don't know if it I don't know if it'll qualify as gentrification, but basically the cost of rent was like skyrocketing because all right. these developers with high salaries were like coming into the area. So you're saying like it's it's like a bus specifically for Google. It's not public transportation. It is like just to to shuttle Get employees huh. from one place to the other. I'm pretty sure Microsoft probably has the same thing. I, I, I mean, they don't all live in like huts together, but I'm saying I, I'm pretty sure a lot of like those employees live in in like in in similar or cl- areas close to the main campuses and stuff like that. So, yeah, but um, hey, you, you do find a room and you get some information on our friend the Corrupter. Uh, you find out it's actually called the ACA three Scarab, and it was actually designed as a scouting machine. Um, it was designed to hack enemy machines and take control of them while it was on scout. So like it would go scout an area. It could, uh, turn the enemy machines against them, uh, to kind of help it. And then also the tail was designed for non-lethal combat. Which sounds pretty lethal to me when I get hit by it. <laughs> and, uh, but it could also repair other machines. And I'm kind of glad they didn't put that functionality into the game. Like you just, yeah. you know, you're, they're trying to shoot machines and you see, the corruptor actually fixing it. Oh man, I don't think you see anything like that. I, I don't recall seen that. Yeah, yeah. But usually, like, so what I've seen so far though around corruptors is really mostly just watchers or humans. So I feel like if they're dead, he probably they probably can't repair them. So I actually haven't just injured in. Uh, I was an employee. Oh my god, <laughs> injured a machine <laughs> to see it, if it would repair it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, I don't think, like, even, like, the bigger machines, like the Deathbringer, right? I don't think I've ever, I don't think I recall seeing a Corruptor repair Deathbringer. Because <laughs> that would suck. Oh, that would yeah. suck big time. You know, so. Yeah, because the other machines, the small machines, you kill them so fast. But, right. like, the bigger machines are the two Corruptors repairing each other. Yeah, that would, 
not be so great. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's actually actually called the scarab, which kind of makes sense. That's like that the tail has because kind of it's kind of looks like a scorpion, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, in the same room on the other side, you can get info on the Deathbringer, which is the FSP five Kopesh, uh, and it is the main battle robot, and it's mainly a platform because uh, in this game it'll have the same weapons every time. But according to this information, you can actually mix and match the weapons you can get on the platform to, to meet what you need. And this is the most interesting thing I found about the, the Kopesh is that uh, it can analyze multiple targets as well as determine the legal impact of killing those targets. Yeah, it was a it was a legal analyst. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah, oh, no, this this one killing this person might not be a great idea. Yeah. You know, it can actually analyze the legal impact, which I thought was interesting. So the thing about these machines and what we know about the world so far, right? Like, I don't think I'm pretty sure nations still went to war with nations. I mean, as long as humans are on this planet, I'm pretty sure there's going to be war. But then you have these corporations that are apparently fighting each other physically. And I think that gets a bit more into the weeds, <laughs> right, of the yeah. legal stuff, because, I mean, war has its own rules. But when it comes to, you know, these corporation fightings, I'm I'm pretty sure the rules are are pretty different. Like, oh, don't kill that guy. He's a C-suite employee. <laughs> you know, just kill his guards. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of how that goes. So yeah, it, it is interesting um that they that they that they made sure to put that part in there. So in both descriptions, though, you do hear something called biomass conversion. And what it does is it allows the robots to turn organic matter into fuel. So essentially the robots can eat. That's what they can do. Um, to my knowledge, the robots, that's not their main fuel source. It was supposed to be like a auxiliary fuel source. Like basically they were supposed to get, have like a regular fuel source that you would expect. Um, but if they needed to, like let's say the, um, the corruptor or the scarab was out for a really long time and was running out of power. And there were some like trees or something like that around. It could, you know, convert the biomass into fuel, which, you know, I'm pretty sure is like a, a, a pipe dream. Because I mean, I'm pretty sure converting a tree into a, into some type of fuel is not the same thing as turning like you know, ha- you know, like beef into some type of fuel or something like that. <laughs> and so the the final machine you get some information on is the machine that we know as the metal devil. Like, I think you see at least two of them in the game. They're both down when you see them, but I think you see at least two of them in the game. You see one actually ran on one in the embrace at the proving. And then I think you see another one at, at the, uh, uh, the next place you kind of have to go to to continue the mission. Like even at the end of this mission, silence will say something about being, being inside of a metal devil or around a metal devil. But you find out that the metal devil is actually something called the BOR7 Horus, which I mean to <laughs> the 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 corporate spokesman, like, you know, he uses corporate speak when talk about it. Like basically it's like a it's mobile machine manufacturing facility, right? So on the go, it can make new machines, it can make new deathbringers, it can make new corruptors, uh, it can replace machines like on the spot, you know. And on top of that, it can also use the biomass conversion systems of other machines to keep it fueled. So 
you know, like it's always on movie. You don't have to worry about it running out of power or starving it for resources. I guess technically speaking, you can solve for resources. Like if you just destroy everything in the area so that the biomass conversion systems don't work. I just feel like but, that would have to be a large area. They're uh, big. Yeah, that, they could probably move really fast. That is true. Now, the, I mean, the horse itself can't use bio, uh, to my knowledge, can't use biomass conversion, but it's the other smaller machines oh, like the, yeah. the, the Scarab or the Kopesh that can use biomass and then basically probably transfer the energy over to the horse. It's actually the same way. I think we discussed that. It's the same way the cauldrons work where the grazers will go out convert the grass to blaze and then bring it back into the cauldron so that it can be used for energy. Um, I do like the fact that you can uh, simply refine your parameters and the horse will fabricate additional units for, to fill the ranks for an affordable per unit licensing fee, <laughs> you know, so all about money. It's all, all about that money. But yeah, so that is the machine that we have come to know as the Metal Devil. I'm trying to think because we, we see the tentacles and stuff. That's the most noticeable thing about it, which is how it moved around because they are big. I just don't remember if we actually see the actual machine, like what it really looks like. I mean, you get a decent idea of what it looks like in the picture that they show you or the hologram that they show you. But, I still just think it looks like, because of all of the legs, it just reminds me of the Guardians from Zelda. And they probably don't look any, is it the Guardians? The ancient machines? Every time I talk about this game in Zelda, I forget everything about Zelda. Um, I play <laughs> that game so much too. Um, but yeah, it just reminds me of those, which they probably don't look like it, but it's it's the legs. Right. I wonder if we're eventually going to see, because I, I will tell you, you won't see, you will not see one in action. Uh, in this game yeah i will tell you you will not see one in action in this game i wonder if you know and for in forbidden west if we will see one in action we'll probably see even more ancient machines in forbidden west to be honest with you so that's something to look out for so uh yeah but after that now we're on the final stretch to ted's office and it's like almost straight up so you go mostly through elevator shafts there are multiple ways to go in different locations. And I'm just like, I thought there, there would be a difference between going them. And there's really not like you don't miss anything. I spent so much time trying to explore every location. And it was like two or three times that it, it splits off like that just to go to the same spot. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a little um, frustrating. But this climbing up here must hurt because at this point, you're pretty you're up pretty high. Aloy's like rubbing her hands together. She's like blowing into him. But then on top of that, you're climbing up a metal building with no gloves. Like what a champ. <laughs> because that must really, really suck. Uh, as you get higher, you do find a data point that talks about Pharaoh getting sued. So in this data point, it says that 127 lawsuits have been filed against Pharaoh because of a stray heart's timber unit that has been eating stuff. It's not supposed to, or it's bio, it's converting biomass that's not supposed to. And in this case, it was a mango orchard. And they said they were going to need every corporate defense lawyer they can find. Uh, not long after that, you find another data point talking about what uh, another incident in the Banda Sea where a fisherman recorded a heart's timber unit converting a pod of endangered dolphins into fuel. And the guy's like, they were probably the last of their kind. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that sucks. And the writer says it looked like what happened. It looks like it was the, like the inside of a blender. He says it was like the robot was making a milkshake of dolphin chum. 
so they really, they really don't know what to do. They tried getting the video off the networks, as they said, or off what we would call the internet, but it didn't work. So just to clarify, the Hearts Temer swarm or the Hearts Temer is not a type of machine. Hearts Temer is actually an energy company back like in that world. That's what Hearts uh, Temer is. Okay. I saw that hap- pop up a couple of times too, but I didn't want to click it because I'm I'm yeah. really scared on wiki pages, you know. I didn't want to <laughs> get spoiled for something. Yeah, it's better if you don't click the wiki, because the wiki does spoil stuff in the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Hearts Timmer is an energy company, and the Swarm is essentially the, a set of machines sold to that company. So that company's Swarm of Machines, clearly there's something wrong. Like this is, you know, we heard the audio file at the very beginning of this, you know, at the, you know, toward the beginning, uh, toward the the bottom of the facility, right? Where he's like, we got to find a back door to fix the firmware. And the guy's like, there is no back door, you know? So we already know kind of where, <laughs> where this is, uh, is going, that this swarm is out of control. They have no way to gain control of it again. And it is, now we know the problem. It is converting biomass that it should not. All right. And, um, and Ted's office, because we got like this, you, when you go up a little higher and bam, you're in Ted's office. If you didn't know, if you missed it, I'm telling you now, there is a battery in that office way above. Um, if you miss it, I'm pretty sure you can go back, especially because there's shortcuts available now. You make a, you make a shortcut or two on your way oh, yeah, up. That's true. So you can just go back to Maker's End and get back up to the top of that uh, building. But yeah, you have to... Where you come up and you can, you're kind of looking down on Ted's office, you just turn around and you can go up even higher and there is a battery there. So you definitely, if you missed it, um, you definitely don't want to, uh, you definitely want to go back. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it like that. I was nervous up there because there's a repel point and I'm like, I don't think it would repel me all the way to the ground because that's really far but I don't want to climb all the way up here again. But then I ended up using it because I was like, there's no way they would do that. That would be silly. But you can use that repel point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Christina approved. Uh, so once you actually jump down into the office, there is like a computer there. Like it looks like, I don't know, like there's something there that starts talking to you. <laughs> and it says the data on this device has been purged, but it can be recovered. Do you want to use admin credentials to recover it? And Aloy is like, yes, I do. So Aloy, she recovers the data onto a data point. Elizabeth, good to, uh, it's been years. Where's your legal team, Ted? No need. I dropped all 18 lawsuits the moment you landed. I assume your data confirms this. All right, this promises to be interesting. Perhaps we could have lunch brought in. You know, get reacquainted. I know you, Ted. You've screwed something up, something big, or you wouldn't have eaten the crow necessary to get me here. So spit it out. There's a glitch in the chariot line. Your killer robots? Peacekeepers, yes. Those. So shut them down. <laughs> Obviously, Liz, we would, if we could. They're not responding. Are you telling me a swarm has gone rogue, Ted? It's worse than that. <sighs> Show me the data then. And I'll take that lunch. Alone. Another file has been recovered. This isn't a glitch. It's a catastrophe. Fully aware. It's bad. 
bad? Jesus, Les. It's not bad, Ted. It's apocalyptic. You built a line of killer robots. Peacekeepers. That consume biomass as fuel. In emergencies. And you made them capable of self-replication. Limited, self-manufacture, controlled. Not anymore. The glitch-severed chain of command, the only nation this swarm answers to now is itself. You, you think I do? Everything else is just food. And at the rate it's replicating, Ted, it will strip the Earth bare in 15 months. We're not talking fall of civilization. We're talking extinction. I get it, Liz. So how do I stop it while it's contained? It's not contained. It can't be. You know what I mean. Right. Before the truth gets out, you mean. Liz, I will do anything you say. Keep working it, and whatever you recommend, I'll do. I'm going to hold you to that, Ted. All right, so it opens up a hologram. Between and, and Ted Farrow's in it, and so is Elizabeth Sobeck. There had apparently been bad blood between the two because he had 18 lawsuits filed against her. And in order to get her to uh, to come there, I guess she had dropped the he had to drop the 18 suits, and she did show up. So him bringing her back there had to be an emergency. You know, I just want to know what they are. Like that's a the lot. 18 lawsuits. Yeah. Probably patent lawsuits. It's probably the same way thing that Google and Apple do to each other all the time. That's true. Because they were, I guess, opposing companies when she left. Uh, yeah, because she basically, I mean, technically speaking, well, I guess maybe the non-compete was only a year long. Because technically speaking, if she left that company and started making her own green robotics, that would have, because I would imagine they have a non-compete. That would have uh, gone against the... Uh, the non-compete, but maybe the non-compete was only about a year. So, uh, but he explains to Elizabeth that there was a glitch with the chariot line, and he cannot shut them down because he explains to her what you know, like there's a problem. Um, and she's like, "We'll just shut him down." He's like, "I can't shut him down." Uh, and she reviews the data, and after she reviews the data, she re- reveals that it's uh, this isn't just a problem. This is an apocalyptic event. She's like, you got military robots that can convert biomass into fuel and can self-replicate. Uh, she says the, same, the chain of command was broken with the glitch, so the swarm only answers to itself. So it's probably just, I mean, they're trying to, I don't know, maybe paint the machines as the bad guys here, but they're not really the bad guys. They're just following their program, and they have nobody to tell them what to do. You know, the right. machines they're probably, probably just, replicate. just survive. Is there, yeah, just, like, do your task and survive. Yeah, they're probably just replicating, replicating. I don't even think they're... Uh, they probably weren't even attacking anything, just replicating, 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 and then using biomass to fuel themselves. You know, I'm, I'm sure at some point the military started responding with force, and that's probably when they uh, started, uh, uh, you know, um, defending attacking. themselves. Yeah. Exactly. And that's probably what they were doing. So, she's, you know, she said that essentially that the, the swarm only answers to itself, like I said, and everything is just food to the swarm. And at the current rate of replication, they will strip the earth bare in 15 months. So we have a timeline like, you know, 15 months and bam, extinction event. That's what I was saying earlier. I'm pretty sure, you know, that spiritual retreat stuff was pretty early, you know, because I'm sure he didn't bring Elizabeth on immediately. He didn't bring her on immediately. He's probably trying to get the problem fixed. Right. Which he probably... I wonder if he would have brought her on sooner, just kind of swallowed his pride, which you know he wouldn't have done. But right, 
if it could have been fixed, like when he first started having issues, but it doesn't, it do, that doesn't sound like something that could be fixed. So. Yeah, absolutely. The thing I'm actually kind of surprised about is they didn't have, you didn't have any better, more upgraded robots to go kick these, ro- to kick the ass of these robots. Like, you- yeah, that's another good question because all of the new robots that they're working on and, and, well, I guess that there was a protest out front and they had to completely shut the offices down. So I wonder if they had to completely stop making machines. But once they're made, are they also like corrupted, I guess? Like, are they not connected to your network? Well, and that's another thing. I don't know if they really addressed this or not, but this is only the swarm of the Hearts Temer company. They couldn't use the swarms that they still had control over. And then again, I guess another problem is that you do have those uh, corruptor units. So the corruptor units, if they start corrupting other swarms, that's a problem, (laughs) you know. Right. So maybe maybe that's why. The corruptors could corrupt each other. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Or they just corrupt other death. They corrupt other death bringers and, you know, turn them against. Uh, you know the, the the swarms or the groups that they're with, so it's a, it's just a bad situation to be in. But like I said, I mean, these companies are always developing. Like they spend a ton of money on research and development, so they're always developing newer, better machines. Because you know, once everybody has your your current Horus, what about the Horus too? Like oh now, like this company bought the Horus too. You need to upgrade to a Horus too, so you can manufacture these machines. Right. Yeah, so they didn't have any bigger, better machines to go, you know, wipe up the other ones. But yeah, I guess not. We do have to have a story here. True. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, Teddy's like he wants to know what can be done while it's still contained, and Elizabeth's like it's it's not contained. It can't be contained. And uh, you know, he was he was actually what he was really wanting was like, okay, I I need this fixed before people find out. It was our company that's causing the problem. But I'm kind of like, everybody's going to know it was you. It's your machines. Right. Uh, yeah, it's your machines. Like They were trying to, figure, trying to figure out a way to, I guess, hide this before it got, the news got too big. But you got machines out in the ocean, like, chomping up on dolphins <laughs> and, they're ma- and mango huge. Like, they're huge machines. It's not just going to go away. People will find yeah. out. Even if you fix the problem, people will find out. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, Elizabeth, like I said, she said this, it can't be contained. But, um, you know, Ted's like, he'll do anything if she keeps working on the problem. And she's like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, remember, remember that's what she said. So you do get a final data point. Project Zero Dawn. Jesus, lesson. There has to be another way. If there are a nicer way to fix your mess, I would have proposed it. But this? This? When I asked you to find a cure, I didn't expect it to be worse than the disease. It's not, Ted. It may be grim, but it's our only chance. Now sign the proposal. Sign it? I can't sign that. Yes, you can. That? Liz, I cannot in good conscience sign that. You've got a choice, Ted. I know. I am speaking to you from a VTOL en route to U.S. Robot Command. In 15 minutes, I meet with General Harris and the rest of the Joint Chiefs. What? Are you crazy? Now your choice is what I tell them. Sign, and I'll tell them the wealthiest corporation on Earth has guaranteed the funds necessary to build Zero Dawn. Exactly as I've designed it. 
or don't sign, and I will make sure they and everyone else on this planet knows the real cause of the glitch. Jesus, Liz. You don't have to threaten me. I'll sign. Look on the bright side, Ted. From here on out, you get to do what you've always been good at. Footing the bill while others get their hands dirty. God forgive me. So in the final recording, Elizabeth, she offers Project Zero, Zero Dawn, but it's not explained what it really is. Uh, Ted's reaction seems like it makes it seem like it's pretty extreme. He's like, it's got to be another way. And she's like, there, there isn't another way. And he even says that the cure can't be worse than disease. And she's like, it's their only chance. And he says he won't sign the proposal in good conscience. But she's like, you really don't have a choice because she's already on the way to the U.S. Robotic, uh, Robot Command to meet with General Ares and the Joint Chiefs. Now, I don't remember if you remember back that far, but General Ares was the guy that was on the letter at the Ancient Armory. Uh, he was the one talking about getting the armor up and running. Oh, uh, okay. So that's who, who he was. And uh, she says if he doesn't sign, he'll tell, she'll tell everyone that his company caused the glitch. And if he does sign, he, it means that he just has to pay for Zero Dawn in its entirety as she designs it. So all those trillions out the window, which, I mean, did it really matter? I mean, the world's <laughs> ending. What is, yeah, what's your money going to do when the world's over? Exactly. So he does sign it. And Aloy, she's like, well, what made the solution so terrible? You know? And at this point, she's actually a little bit flustered because she has more questions than answers now. This, this doesn't add up. Sobek couldn't have been my mother. She lived ages ago. All this searching and I'm still no closer. That's your reaction to everything you've just learned? To whine like a spoiled child? You should really try talking that way to me face to face. As you wish. Do you really have no idea how monumental are the discoveries you just made, Aloy? I expected more of you. So, you have a face. Got a name to go with it? Of all the questions you could ask right now, that's the one you choose. I've spent decades searching the ruins of the old ones, trying to solve the mystery of what happened to them. For years, I've suspected that feral robots destroyed their civilization, but I could never confirm it. And in minutes, you uncover more ancient knowledge than I have in a lifetime, and what you want to know is my name. Silence. That's my name. Now, why don't you try asking another question? Something less trivial. All right, Silence. You've made your point. I came to these ruins hoping to learn more about this Elizabeth Sobek. And I have, but I still don't understand my connection to her. Or why the Eclipse is trying to kill me. Or who Hades is. No answers, just one question after another. Exactly. Which is why it's time to expand your frame of inquiry. Only then will you see just how big your problems really are. What exactly are you talking about? You've chased a personal riddle into a crowd of larger mysteries. The common thread is your connection to Elizabeth Subic. But what is that connection? She couldn't have been my mother if she lived centuries ago. We don't know the connection yet. The only way to find out is to keep going, to keep making discoveries. Thanks to you, we've only just now learned that pharaoh robots once threatened to end life on Earth. 
But it didn't happen. The Old One's civilization was destroyed, but life... life was saved. Obviously. So, what did Elizabeth do? How did she stop the robots before all was lost? What was Project Zero Dawn? Exactly the question. Now, are you ready to go get the answer? Of course I am. Then why are you still standing here? Elizabeth told Ted Faro she was headed for a place called U.S. Robot Command to tell people about Zero Dawn. The place still exists. It's a ruin. The Asaram call it the Grave Horde. Grave Horde? Cheery name. You'll find it in the Eastern Mountains, buried under the tangled coils of a metal devil, or a BOR-7 Horus, rather, as we're learning to call them. I'll contact you when you get there. I can't wait. So uh, once she's, she says something, like she says that or something to the effect of that, the voice comes back and says she's whining like a spoiled child. And she's like, oh, let's try saying that to my face. And so he says, okay. And he shows up as a hologram. I'm like, oh, har, har. <laughs> you know. Still um, not. So you see not his face. Thing. <laughs> yeah. It, it's Lance Riddick, also known as Commander Zavala for you Destiny players. But, but we knew that from his voice. He has a very distinct voice. Uh, but his name is actually Silence, and he says he has spent decades searching ruins trying to solve what happened to the old ones. And he had suspected that Pharaoh robots destroyed civilization, but he couldn't confirm it. And you know, he said that he, what he's been searching for for a lifetime, Aloy essentially found out in a few minutes, which I'm like, oh, that's true. So you do have a flashpoint uh, that you can say, I see your point, or you're so, if you're so smart or you don't understand, which one did you choose? I feel like I should have picked a different one because you've been picking all of the uh, the intelligence ones. Yeah, yeah, but I felt like that was the most appropriate answer in this situation. Right. So that's yeah, yeah. that's what I went for. Yeah, I mean that's the same one I went for. And you know, she says she came in to learn about Elizabeth Sobek, and she did, but she still doesn't know what her connection to her is, or why the Eclipse are trying to kill her, or. Uh, who Hades is, and there's just more questions, which is true. You know, there is just more questions. So and he's trying to get her to think a little bit outside the box, and he's like, you know, you need to expand your inquiry. The only way to find out, you know, what she wants is to make more discoveries, and he kind of helps her land on the fact that she needs to find out what Project Zero Dawn is. You know, um, and at, at this point, you can kind of. Ask him some additional questions. Like he doesn't really like he doesn't really want to answer any questions. He's like, "Why are you asking these questions? We need to just move on to the next point." And she's like, "Look, I'll I'll, I'll turn my focus off <laughs> if you you know, and then you won't get any information." He's like, "Okay." Uh, so Aloy wants to know wh- how he knew the the Pharaoh robots destroyed civilization, and he says that evidence pointed that way, but he never knew how dangerous they were. Like he didn't know about the biomass conversion. He didn't know about the, the Horus being self-replicating. And that's when he says, oh, it was a cauldron on legs. And he notes that all the corruptors and deathbringers they found so far are damaged in some way. They're not even at 100% power. So the corruptors that we fought so far, I mean, obviously the deathbringer that we found was damaged. But even the ones that we're going to fight later on that have full health are not technically speaking at 100%. Which makes sense, because so. you said that you know, in the in the thing says that they're supposed to heal other machines, which they don't. So, and they've been right, buried yeah. for a very long time. <laughs> so that is sense. that is true. 
So, but then again, I mean, if Hades is in control of them, he should be telling the 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 corruptors or the scarabs to heal the Kopesh machines because that's what they were designed to do, or repair them. Or maybe they don't have the supplies they need to repair because the horse is not available either. So right. that's another thing. So uh, Aloy does ask who Hades is. And he doesn't know. He said that the Eclipse describe it as a buried shadow and that Hades is using the Eclipse to resurrect the Pharaoh robots. And it's Hades that wants Aloy dead, not the Eclipse. That's what they, they end up talking about. And it has something to do with her connection to Elizabeth. So, you know, Aloy asks if Elizabeth maybe made some special weapons to stop the robots. And Silence says there are records of super weapons being developed. And um, they're kind of hinting that you're going to find some type of super weapon. But, I mean, whether that's true or not, I guess we'll find out, right? <laughs> Darn, don't get my answer here. <laughs> yeah, so. And um, she does ask who Silence is. And, I mean, he really doesn't explain much. He's just like, uh, I'm a lone warrior who left the tribe a long time ago. And, you know, I explore the forbidden places. He says, I'm an explorer of forbidden places and a searcher of lost knowledge. And I'm like, dude, that does not help like, at all. That does not explain who you are. Now, one thing I will say, um, based on the way he looks or how he dresses, I should say, I think he might be a Banuke. I think he might be Banuke. And I think you find out more. Actually, no, well. There's a side quest that you do from Meridian where you run into the Banuke uh, tribe, but then obviously in the DLC, you're, you're dealing with the Banuke exclusively. So you get a really good look for how, uh, you know, what they look like. And I think he might be actually a Banuke. So, but I don't, I don't think that's actually confirmed in the game or not. I can't remember. But just based off of his, of his garb. So um, she does ask him why he knows so much about the Eclipse. And he says he knows a lot about, uh, he says he knows, he actually, I think the exact quote is, I know a lot about a lot of things, is what he says, which is also not very helpful. But basically, he's just saying he doesn't work for the Eclipse. And uh, he asks her, well, she asks him how he's able to hack the focus, and he says he experimented a lot with it. And the focuses produce a signal that let other focuses access it. And he can network them together over long distances. But that's something we already knew. You know, he's talking to us from a long distance. Owen was talking to somebody else from a long distance. You know, so that's that's information we already knew. Um, but she did ask if Elizabeth is maybe alive somehow. And he says it's not likely, but it's not impossible. He starts talking about, like, you know, life extension technologies back in, you know, her time. You know, some like stuff like cryogenics and things like that. And... Uh, he says that she was smart, so she may have found a way to do it, but there's no real guarantees. So, but finally, I think when uh, you you finish up the conversation, uh, Aloy mentions that Elizabeth was headed to U.S. Robotics Command, and sounds like, well, that place still exists. It is the uh, a place called the Grave Horde, the opera, the Osiram actually call it the Grave Horde. It's in the Eastern Mountains buried under a metal devil or a BOR-7 horse, as we know now. And, uh, yeah, Silence tells Aloy, yeah, just head over there and I'll contact you when you get there. So that actually completes the Maker's End quest and starts the Grave Horde main quest. And this was just a lot of information that came in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, it was a lot of reading. 
Yes. If you just kind of blaze through the facility, you'll probably be done with the whole thing in like 10, 15 minutes. Right. And that I think that includes fighting the Deathbringer and the Corruptor and stuff like that. If, you, if you're if you the type of person like, oh, I hate reading in games because there are those people. That's they're, me. They're, they're, <laughs> like, I hate, I'm going to go back and get it later. And this game, I would say it's kind of tough to go back and find the data points that you may have just picked up. Because you like... If you have a keen eye, you can pick up so many data points. There's so many data points to pick up, you know. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I think there's way more audio data points to pick up going forward. Okay. Because uh, if you – I took a look at my notebook and, you know, my, my world data points and my other data points, like, they're kind of, like, filling in. I'm at, I'm at 80% completion on the game. My audio data points are almost empty. And I'm like, there has they have to be in these other facilities. You know. I appreciate that because I like to I just want to be on the move, you know, running around while I'm listening to the data points. I don't want to stop and read them. So see, I actually when I listen to audio data points, I don't move around because I don't want to trigger another uh audio. I don't want to trigger like a dialogue or something like uh, that. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just pop that bubble right there. <laughs> Still going to do it. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I said, this was a lot of information. We found out essentially why the world ends like, or, or, or the threat to the, to, the, to the old world, which was these machines converting biomass for fuel. And it was only going to be 15 months, at least between. Like, we don't know when Pharaoh brought... Uh, Elizabeth on board, but we know once she looked at it, she says it's going to be 15 months before basically the, 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 the earth is stripped bare. So even before that, you're going to have mass death. You know, you're probably going to have mass death six months into it because all the resources are going to be gone. You know, from well, from the resources being gone, people, you know, and then the people who are left there fighting each other for the remaining resources. I mean, overall, it's a pretty bad time. So, but now, we know that Elizabeth is activating something called Project Zero Dawn, and going forward, that's what we're gonna—at least in this quest line—we're gonna find out what Project Zero Dawn actually is because it sounds pretty bad. But whatever it is, probably resulted in the world that we have now because humans still exist. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, all right. How, how you feeling about how, how you feeling now? That's a lot of information, Christina. I have so many weird I- thoughts on, okay, so this is going to be really weird, but remember in the beginning where I was like, oh, Aloy's like a test tube baby. I feel like she's like a clone of Elizabeth at this point, because when you, I don't know anything about genetics, but I'm pretty sure genetics are closer to 50-50 when babies are involved. So if she's like a 90 Four point whatever genetic match to Elizabeth, like uh-huh. I almost said, Eli- I almost said Elizabeth. Um, How disrespectful! Yeah, dude. <laughs> she. That's what I think. I I feel like she's some kind of clone, or maybe Zero Dawn is some kind of way to put babies or life back into the world after it's stripped, and maybe she was just one of the last ones, and. People don't know where they came from because it was so many years ago that the world started repopulating. So that's my theory. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to give you the answers. 
No, I know. I mean, I, I, it's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. You know, I, you got to keep and also keep in mind that the Nora and the Karja, the Osram, they've been around for generations on generations. They've been yeah. around for like a very long time. Um, you can't, I think you do find early on, you find, I think, some. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure like it was when you were in Mother's Heart. And I think there's also like some some glyphs you can find that show that the Nora were the originating tribe mm-hmm. and that the Karja kind of and the other tribes spawned off from the Nora when they decided to leave the sacred land. Which would make sense because if she was found in Mother's Heart, maybe that's where everybody was somehow birthed out of. Because if this is thousands of years in the future, thousands, like a thousand, like 900 years in the future, right? That's like. Yeah, it's almost a thousand years. Yeah. A lot of time for history to be lost. So. Exactly. So. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it alone because we <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. We'll find out soon enough. Uh, but I, I do know for the next episode, we're actually, what we're going to, what we're going to do for the next few episodes we're going to focus on the quest surrounding uh, meridian so i know on our next episode we're actually going to talk a little bit about the area around maker's end but start getting into the meridian side quests and then we'll put it, that'll probably be split into two episodes and then we are actually going to go into back into the main quest into the borderlands where we try to figure out is ursa still alive who has her where is she you know and, and that stuff and we're going to Go ahead and work that quest line all the way through. And then we're going to come back to this uh, Zero Dawn quest line, I would say, and head out to Maker's End. So you're just going to have to hold those questions for a while. Um, I'm trying to do this in a way where, like, that goes along kind of sort of with the levels of the game. So don't blame me. Blame <laughs> Guerrilla Games. Okay? I'm just trying to do it the most logical <laughs> way here. So, but... Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is the most information we've got ab- uh, about the world, you know, because it does it does invoke a lot of questions, but it does also answer a lot of of questions, you know. Yeah, because so. we didn't know where the machines came from before, so this is like a huge revealing part of the story. Exactly. Exactly. So. But yeah, on that note, this episode is a little longer than expected. Um, We're going to end it here. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And uh, if you want to follow what's going on with this show and also with The Mash Network, you can follow us at twitter.com slash The Mash Network. Christina, where can they find you? You can find me at S'mores Pops Heart on Twitter and Twitch. I'm also on a podcast called Wondrous Tales, which focuses on Final Fantasy 14 content and anything that has to do with the game. Right. And you can find me on Twitter at Josh Tradamus. And you can also find me on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash matches buttons when I am streaming. Um, we'd love to have you join our Discord. Like I mentioned earlier, that is mash.gg slash Discord. And I would encourage you guys to reach out to us with comments and questions. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the show, about the game. So you can reach out to us in Discord, or you can reach out to us on Twitter, or you can just email us at contact at mash.gg. If you want to help us out, one of the best ways to do that is to share the show with others and and also to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. I know recently Spotify just got ratings, so that's nice. You don't even have to write a review. You can just hit five stars. Boom. Easy. Um, if you want to take a support a bit further, you can visit a, a, you know visit mtb.gg support and you can find all the different ways to support matches buttons. 
uh, whether it be Patreon or the Teespring store, Twitch subscriptions. We do have Humble, Humble Bundle affiliate links uh, and also a one-time PayPal donation link if you feel so inclined. So uh, thank you to everybody who does support us. We really appreciate it. And I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about Mash Those Buttons. And with that, we are done for this episode, and we will see you on the next episode. See ya. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 